Welcome to the Alchemy of Business Show with your host, Steve Rogers. The Alchemy of Business Show is a podcast that mixes practical, actionable business solutions with soulful insights for anyone seeking deeper meaning in their lives and greater success in their work. Steve will be featuring purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life and getting insight into their journeys from failures to triumphs. So tune in to transition, transform, and evolve in every dimension of your business and life. And now your host of the Alchemy of Business show, Steve Rogers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Alchemy of Business show. Thank you so much for listening in today or viewing in however you got here, whether you're on YouTube or Roku, or maybe you're listening on Apple iTunes. However you got here, we appreciate it. We have an amazing guest today who has such an immense background of diversity from a legal side to an entrepreneurial side to a world traveler to an investor, just an amazing guy. We have uh, Mr. Frederick Carey, uh, and he is a senior executive. He's an entrepreneurial strategic consultant. He's also an attorney, an investment baker, and he's a CEO of Idea, Pro, Idea Pros. And talk about taking your ideas and turning it into a pro or professional uh, process, he can do it with his team. He oversees the development and growth of over 250 startups. He's led many mergers and acquisitions, and uh, he's also been an executive. He's been legal counsel, and his goal is to help successful businesses that can make a positive difference in the world and in their business sector. He's also received his JD degree from Thomas Jeffrey School in California, and he completed postgraduate studies at Harvard Law School. Go figure, uh, a smart guy on top of it. And he obtained his international MBA with honors from the University of Liverpool. Again, a global dude. Uh, he doesn't care if you have an idea on the back of a napkin or you've built a thousand employee company. If you need help, inspiration or direction, or you're doing something unique and compelling, he's the guy you want to talk to. So let's uh, welcome Mr. Fred Carey. Hey, how are you? Hey, you know, I'm thinking of changing my tagline to a global dude. I love that one. So <laughs> it really makes sense. Uh, well, cool. oh, everybody. well, that would probably fit you well, a global dude, especially with uh, one of the, the lines that you have in your company where you talk about being legendary and you you actually in your marketing and stuff have the uh, the, the mantra of uh, F dot CK or fuck average, be legendary. Uh, so let's talk about where that came from. Talk about that kind of sums it right up. Let's start there. Where did that come from, Fred? Yeah. And by the way, I have a registered trademark for that now. It's crazy. I, I love it. it. It came from the fact that the, you know, everybody wants extraordinary results. We all, when we wake up in the morning, we go on Instagram or YouTube or wherever, and we see all these people with all these successes and we want to have that extraordinary life, but we do average things and average things don't make extraordinary lives happen. So that all came from, you got to get rid of the average. You got to go outside the rules with every single thing you do and really plug hard. By the way, I'm not just talking about business. I'm talking about your relationship, everything. You know, a lot of people are like, they want to be a kick-ass entrepreneur. They're going to go in, they know all these rules. They'll do anything if something goes wrong with the business to make it work. And yet they go home. And as soon as there's a little problem, they're sleeping on the couch or eating a box of Girl Scout cookies to try to take away some of their misery, you know? So I'm just trying to teach the fact that if you want to have an extraordinary life, you have to do extraordinary things. I love that. And it's so true. And, you know, I talk to my clients and people around that as well. I've got something called the four B's, which is a daily report card 
of doing your body, your being, your bonds, and your business. Because as you know, type A personalities, if you're an entrepreneur or you're a driven leader, a lot of times something's got to give. And a lot of time what gives is the stuff that we say means the most to us, our relationships, our spouse, our partners, our kids. So having that time to really focus of that climbing success ladder and also leveling out the balance of that, it's a tricky thing to do, especially when you're in an entrepreneurial startup stage because you know, people are giving it you know, everything they have. So let's talk about when you started, at what age do you remember first remembering that you wanted to have an extraordinary life beyond what you maybe had been around, or even with that, you wanted to maximize that. So was it, you know, a teenager where your youth, where you're young adult, when did that, I really want to excel in my life concept in your own mind come? You know, <laughs> deciding to have an, an extraordinary life was, I guess, secondary to the fact that I kind of, from about 16 on, always felt like an outsider. You know, I felt like I, I did things differently. I had different demands of myself and they were very immature. Uh, 19 years old, 20 years old, you know, you have an idea of the, the fact that you're different and you look at things different and you know that you're not going to be able to climb the corporate ladder in the regular sense of the word because you don't feel that you fit that structure. So I don't think there was ever... A where I thought, you know, screw the man, I'm going to do this myself. It was more like, I can't work for the man. I can't, I can't hit. I almost backed into it because the alternative of doing things the quote unquote right way was never there mentally for me. So I decided early on that my life was going to be driven by me and the decisions that I was going to make right or wrong were going to be on my shoulders and my shoulders alone. Well, kudos to you. Well, you definitely took charge of your destiny and you had some early successes in your early days where you, I think, had a, a startup or two or were part of a company that had a really big exit. And then you also had some bumps and bruises after that and then reinvented and climbed the mountains again. So let's talk about that first experience where you said, okay, I'm going to be in charge of my own destiny. I'm going to you know, make my own path. And then boom, one day you're looking at your bank account or you're looking at a sale or you're looking at a monetary success at a moment and then also what all came with that wow what was that like when you had your first big payday of success of being your own control of destiny kind of guy you know there there are ups and downs and for every single time i i was elated at what was going into the bank account uh i was depressed two years later uh, that I had to change the business and go on to something else. You know, the, the high entrepreneurship is really hard and it's always going to be hard. No matter how far you go, no matter what your bank account tells you, there's always nightmares. There's always fires. There's always things that really happen. But when people ask when I make, made my first million, um, it was in my twenties. And, and my answer is I made it two years before I lost it all. Uh, and that's really part of entrepreneurship because I'm all in every time. I'm 72 years old now. I don't have a retirement plan. I have zero dollars in a retirement plan. Everything that I have, I'm always thrown into the next venture. I don't recommend that, by the way, for anybody. But that's just the way I think. And that works for you. Yeah, that works for you. 
Well, that's what is it that you figured out in that first run? Whether I don't know if you were part of joining a company that already existed or you created it from scratch, but obviously you were part of its success to be able to have a payday. And then you had uh, you you uh, earned the first million before you lost it two years later. How long did it take you to dig back out of that hole of going shit? How did I already go through a million bucks? Um, how long did it take you to get back on the horse again and go to whatever the next thing was? Uh, a matter of months. You know, I, I went on to the next thing in a matter of months. Did that for a couple of years. Uh, then I became an attorney accidentally. We'll have to have a separate show on that. I really never set out to be a lawyer. There's definitely a whole show around that. But I did that for almost a decade when I realized that that was not my calling. I was really good at it. Never lost a case, made a lot of money, but I woke up every morning empty, you know, and for me, the, the creation process is what really, really drives me. And if I'm creating, then I'm happy. That's amazing. Well, you know, the, the Alchemy of Business show likes to talk about each person's formula and alchemy is, you know, in the old days, the alchemists used to take uh, different potions and, and formulas and they could turn lead into gold, so to speak. So you seem to find ways in your own path to create your own way. You're obviously very smart to have gotten that many degrees, to have been an attorney. Whether it was fulfilling or not, I totally get you were being called to the creative side. But you obviously have a mind that is able to adapt, to be disciplined, to learn, to be educated, and then adapt that over to the entrepreneurial space. Um, and whether someone's listening in that might be an entrepreneur, maybe they're an executive or an employee trying to go to the next level, all those things have these common elements in play. So what advice do you give somebody who is looking to wherever they're listening right now and wherever they're at in their life, that they're looking to take charge and make it even better than it is now, whether it's through a business opportunity or through getting a new job or starting a startup, where do people start to be able to take more control of their lives and then to define their own destiny and start manifesting it? Let's talk about where that journey begins and uh, what you do to help people on that path. Yeah. And that's a really difficult subject because when you look at the statistics, a lot of businesses fail. And the number one failure for startup entrepreneurial businesses is that the founders have created something that nobody wants, that there's no demand for. So what does that tell you? It tells you that people don't do their research. People don't look into it. I have a great idea. I've never seen this before. Hey, mom, what do you think? That's a great idea, son. Uh, what What do my friends at the bar feel? Oh, man, you should do that. Go all in. You know, you're never going to buy what you're building. Your mom's never going to buy what you're building. The rest of the world is going to, and you need to reach out to them. You need to do the research. You need to look at the competitors. You know, people think my idea is so novel. There are no competitors. And I'm going to go kill it. The reality is, go look at the first car. You know, you could argue that the first car had no competitors. People wanted faster horses. That's what people were looking for when the first car came out. They needed transportation. So the competitor is transportation, not another car. So when you look at your competitive landscape, what problem are you solving? And how are people addressing that problem now? And if you can figure that out, now you can start figuring out what, what you have that is better to address an existing problem. If you say, hey, you know what? This thing is so new, like Habitat on Mars that nobody wants right now, but I'm going to go invest $100,000 into it. Well, you're not going to do any, anything at all with it. So 
research, research, research is the first thing. The second thing, there's a bunch of things, and I'm not going to ramble on, but hopefully I get a chance to answer some of these other points uh, further in the dialogue. But but the other thing is you got to realize you're not never, ever going to get it right the first time. So you need to be prepared to run into brick walls, step back. That's a great learning experience. How can I do this differently? You've identified a real problem. There's more than one way to tackle that problem, and you need to keep going. You need to have perseverance. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for that. Yeah, identifying a problem, what people need, what they're willing to pay for, do your research, competitive market landscape, not just on the business, but on the industry itself. And if you do happen to be unique enough that you are breaking into a unique market that didn't exist before, uh, people will be on your heels that quick and there will be yep. more. So, you know, the competition is something for me that uh, is part of the formula. It's like, it's what makes everyone better. That's part of, you know, being in, in America of uh, competition moves it up. So um, what is it that people can do once they now have an idea, they've got a plan in place, they believe they've done enough market research that there are buyers out there that would buy it not once, but possibly repeatedly, or maybe they can expand it to a wider market if it's a you know, a one every seven year kind of product, depending what it is they might be selling or buying. What is it then is the next most important of the first day of then launching your business and in the first year? Obviously capital is crucial, those things. So what is it you can give uh, advice for somebody starting an entrepreneurial business or that person also in their first year of starting something major in their life? Because a lot of those parallels, if you're making shifts to something new in your private life, in your spirituality, whatever, those components of next level, you know, sometimes are comparable. So let's talk about it in the terms of an entrepreneur at the moment. And what does the first year look like to most entrepreneurs that you're working with? Well, the caveat that I'm working with changes the whole game <laughs> with what I was going to say, right? The ones that I'm not working with, uh, what that first year looks like is this insatiable knowledge to get things perfect. Uh, and it's, one of the biggest destroyers of entrepreneurship that there is. You know, I want to have 21 features in my new app, just like Airbnb has. Well, when Airbnb launched, they had two air mattresses in a one-bedroom apartment that they rented out on the weekends in San Francisco when the conventions came and there were, were not enough hotel space. That was a Airbnb back then, uh, air bed and breakfast, it was called. If you have one thing and you do it well, focus on that thing. Don't think about all these extra features that people want to have. If you have 21 features, launch with three. And you know what? what's your core value proposition? And if you can figure out your core value proposition, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be compelling. You go, there's one company in particular that when they launched, they had an app, can't take pictures with the app, but you could post a picture on the app. You couldn't comment on the app, but you could give it a little heart if you, if you liked it. That's all that app did. Two years later, they had 13 employees. Zero revenue. Not a penny. Ouch. And they got, they got bought for a billion dollars by Facebook. And that's wow. Instagram. Wow. Right? That's Instagram. Now, not everybody's going to get bought for a billion dollars with no revenue, but the chances are the biggest thing that people are looking for if they want to acquire you, if, if you're in that software space, is your momentum. How many users are coming on? How many active users are there on a daily basis? They don't give a crap that you made $200,000 last month. 
that's going to devalue you. So when you're an entrepreneur, what am I doing that's different? What's really critical? How can I get it out there? And how can I get people using it so I can do whatever I need to do? A physical product, it might be crowdfunding campaign. Maybe you don't have enough money to actually manufacture it. But if you go to investors and say, hey, I ran this crowdfunding campaign, cost me $100,000 to do it between marketing and everything. And I got a million and a half dollars worth of orders for something I don't even have yet. Will you help me? Every investor is going to cut a check for you, you know? So, so prove out your model as fast as you can. Just looking for perfection is looking for debt. Looking for perfection is looking for death. Oh, that's a great quote. We'll have to have that in the show notes for, for sure. Minimum viable products, making sure you're prepared, but not working on perfection. I know when I was in the real estate space and managed or helped groom thousands and thousands of real estate agents over the years, it was, you know, many of the newer ones were always getting ready to get ready to get ready. They had to have their business card just so they had to have a, a website. They wanted to make sure they had all this done. And we're like, look, we get all that. Go out, start looking for buyers and you will learn as you go along. You've got a support system behind you with your mentor in the company. It'll help walk you through it. But if you're going to get ready to get ready to get ready, it's going to take you forever to get out into to the launch. So sometimes jumping into the deep end of the pool with understanding you have people that can help you not sink um, and also guide you on that sometimes is the hardest thing to learn when you are wanting your product to be out and displayed. We all want our, our babies to look as cute as possible or as pretty as possible when we're putting them out in the world. So that is something I know I was guilty of and have been for yeah. years. Thanks for reminding us of that. Now, you know, and, and by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, but maybe it's all look like, Babies look like Winston Churchill. If it's not your kid, that's what a baby looks like. So you're going to have an ugly baby, but it can grow up to be an amazing adult. And the thing that you said about business cards, wanting to get the business card perfect, not that I even use them anymore. Right. And I saw so many examples of people that wanted to really have that business card perfect. And on the backside of it, there's all this additional information that they put on there because they want it to be perfect. But guess what? People like to write on the backside of business cards and they can't because you fill the whole damn thing up with all your perfection and now you've destroyed the whole purpose of having one. You know, that's exactly. a small point. There's an example of perfection gone bad. Very true. So whether we're doing that on digital products or our websites or social media, let's not be perfectionists. Let's just be moving forward and evolving and, you know, making that happen. So in the in your in your company, uh, Idea Pros, that we have a few slides about you, um, took this concept of the ideas that you've had and the idea of pros. Uh, my assumption is this is like an academy and a, and a process that you go through with a, a team. So idea pros, great name. Where did that come from? And what is it that in this process of helping people not look for perfection, but evolution, but also make sure they have all the tools in the toolbox. Let's talk a little bit about idea pros and how that plays into some of the things you've been talking about the last, uh, you know, five or 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and there are several levels of what we do. We started out only with our flagship product and, and I've introduced a whole bunch of much less expensive things now. But when we first started out, the one thing I learned is I wanted to do something that, to give back. And I know you're purpose driven. I am as well. You know, they say you spend your first half of your career working on your resume and the second half working on your eulogy. And, uh, and so when you do that, you really want to give back. And I looked, wh what was the big problem out there? And I saw that 55% of Americans identified themselves at some time as, as being their own business owner, 55%. 
and yet there's only 17% at any given moment that are active entrepreneurs. So there's a massive slaying taking place in the marketplace. So I studied it further and I found that 90, despite all these stories that you hear about not having to go to school and doing this and doing this from, you know, to your side gig and you'll be a billionaire. I looked at the statistics there and 94% of the multimillionaires and billionaires in America that are entrepreneurs went to really great schools. Over half of them went to these exclusive MBA programs and they learned things that we don't learn. The 99% of the rest of us, which turns out we don't learn these things. And what are those things? It's how to play the finance game, how to speak finance, how to have the connections that you need where you're at Stanford and you're finishing your MBA program and your professor can make one phone call and you're going to be meeting with Sequoia the next week at the highest levels instead of some intern that you're begging to get into only to have your, your model go into the trash can before anybody even sees it. So understanding that there was this unfair environment, I wanted to create idea pros to really level the playing field and, and my thought process was making sure that everybody had the tool sets they needed, were creating the right elements from research to naming, branding, positioning, website development, app development, engineering, launch strategies, you know, marketing materials, and training them as an entrepreneur at the same time. I wanted to make sure they had all that and the connections at the end, because I can pick up the phone and talk to Target. I can pick up the phone and talk to UPS, to Venture Capital, to Angel Groups, and get appointments and get you in the door. So I started it to level out the playing field. And in two years, we had 100,000 applications. Wow. And, and mind you, this flagship product is expensive. It starts at $100,000, 100000 to 200000 People give us 30% of the company we're going to form together. But it's about a fourth of what they would spend if they really did all the right things to do it themselves. And yet... We took on 400 partners because of all the heavy lifting. So now I've introduced all sorts of new programs from zero dollars uh, on my Instagram, official Fred Carey, to our blog page and ideapros.com that have incredible amounts of information on them to cheap, like a $200 program video mastermind class with me on purpose-driven entrepreneurship to a $1,000 package where you can do what I said, take, take your idea give it to us and you'll get a 40 page report talking about everything about your idea, whether it's good or not, what it would take to make it good, who the competitors are, what their weak points are, how you really should go to market, you know, and then how to build a pitch deck to go out and get the capital that you need. So I think those are the types of things that really drove me to create this company to, to give back and, and hundreds of entrepreneurs are launching now. Uh, that would have never had a chance to do so before. And they're doing so in a lot more intelligent way. And they have my phone number because they're always my partners. That's awesome. Well, we're going to take a, a quick break. Uh, so we're going to zoom back in. But for those of you that aren't seeing the screen, if you're listening on audio, we'll have these uh, in the show notes that you could pull up later. But if you go to ideapros.com, um, you can get a lot of what Fred is talking about. And then on his Instagram, we'll have in the show notes as well. So you can click through and follow him on Instagram. We're going to come back at the break and we're going to talk more with Fred about purpose-driven lives and that the early part of your life, you're building your resume. And in the second part of your life, you're bidding, 
building your eulogy or understanding what it is your contribution is to the world and the planet and why that's so crucial and important. And we're going to find out some more success stories of case studies of entrepreneurs and uh, even rock stars that we have that he has helped uh, to have more leadership or to have startup companies. So come back, please, and listen into us with Fred Carey of Idea Pros, and we'll be right back on the Alchemy of Business. Thanks for listening in. Hello, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business show. We hope you enjoyed the first segment, and whether you're listening in or viewing in, we appreciate you being here. If you like what you're hearing, and if you like the show, please go in and, and like it on uh, iTunes, uh, Apple iTunes, or YouTube, however you're here, and make a comment if you'd like. We appreciate it. It helps the show. And if you'd like to have more content in different ways, also give us a note about that. We'll have other guests on and topics. But today's topic with Fred Carey on Idea Pros, who is just an amazing gentleman, not only entrepreneur, uh, attorney, investor, world traveler, rock star advisor, all kinds of cool things. So Fred, before we sign off uh, on the first break, we were talking about um, people not getting into paralysis analysis and getting ready to get ready to get ready to making sure they have viable ideas that they've tested in the market and done their research and their study as to why someone would want to buy it. And then you don't have to necessarily make profit in this day and age with SaaS and tech companies. Uh, and sometimes you get bought. That's not always the story. M many times you still have to have a viable business that spins off profit at some point for someone to get a return on an investment. But as people are looking at these businesses and you know they're, they're in this um, thing about making a difference in the world, you have this life where you have sought purpose, you have sought um, you know, I, that you didn't want to be an attorney because you woke up empty every day, even though you have that skill. So what advice as you're advising your 250 plus companies you either own or a part of or in the idea of pros company, how are you bringing that messaging into them to stay tuned in to their own inner North Star or, or core values that you were talking about earlier, why they're also running this business so that they're not separate? Uh, do you, do you uh, encourage them to unify those? So let's talk a little bit about purpose-driven business leaders. Yeah. And uh, it's up to about 400 now. And uh, first, let me tell you the pain point. Uh, because before we were talking about that inner circle, the insider, uh, venture capital guys, uh, even those folks have a 15% success rate. 15 85% uh, of the most supposedly brilliant uh, entrepreneurs in the U.S. fail, uh, at least through the venture capital system. So you have to understand that the odds are tough, and the ones that make it are the ones that don't give up. And uh, that's really the most critical thing that, that, that you have to go when you're moving forward. The advantage you can have is when you can align what you're doing as a business with your greater purpose. Because when you're aligning your purpose with your business, you're doing something that you're passionate about, you're doing something that you don't care how many hours you're spending working on it, and you're doing something that you're probably never gonna give up on because this is what drives you, this is what's inside of you. When you can accomplish that, you can forget about work-life balance because it all becomes one beautiful thing that you're working on to achieve greatness in your life, whether it is to change your life or to change the world. Whatever it is, align yourself with what's inside of you and you got you got a real unfair advantage. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And sometimes that's trial and error because 
as we're growing in our 20s or 30s or 40s, we believe we're being pulled and, and pushed towards this do, 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 do and create success. And myself, as I was climbing the corporate ladder and be going, and I was in corporate America from, you know, going from manager to executive to CEO to working for Warren Buffett. And I was on this treadmill of doing, doing, doing. Um, but I also realized that something else was missing. And so that I, I wish I would have gotten earlier in my life that this purpose driven, not that I wasn't seeking spirituality or wasn't seeking self-development, but I kind of did it as a side gig. I wasn't doing it that completely incorporated into the alignment of what I was doing. Because in corporate America, they don't always want to hear about that or they don't always want to hear about the certain things. It's sometimes about the bottom line. So what I love about entrepreneurship or companies that are purpose-driven and encourage people to live their highest selves or to be all they are, whether you're an employee or an executive or whatever it might be, or in, in startups that are doing this, I do know that some of the startups I'm working with are really much more focused than ever before on making a difference in the world, whether it's for the environment, whether it's for work, you know, having, uh, you know, work uh, is really part of their life and a balancing. So I'm finding younger entrepreneurs are really focused on that way sooner than I was at certain times. So let's talk about if someone is aligning their purpose, they've got a, a viable model that has been tested in the marketplace, and then they need funding. Let's go from, okay, you've got some purpose and passion, you have a good idea, You've gotten a team um, and you, then you need money. Uh, and a lot of times, obviously, startups are, you know, self-funded for a period of time. But let's go to that path of how you have helped uh, your own path or now how you help others of figuring out how to get someone to give an investment of money to you for your dream or idea. This is where we fall on our faces more than anything else. And it's because we're trying to present ourselves in a way that somebody who's a finance person doesn't want to hear. Uh, now, when you're going out to your friends and family round, you can tell them about this beautiful golden widget you've invented, and there's only brass widgets in the marketplace now, and you're revolutionizing the industry. $10 billion industry. If I capture 1%, we're all going to be rich. You can get away with that stuff with friends and family. But when you're going out to serious investors, let's just for, forget venture capital. They'll kill you. Um, uh, forget private equity, you're not advanced enough for, for them at that point. So you're going to be going to sophisticated, accredited investors who got the money they have because they really thought through the financial process of what they're doing. And all of our slides, 95% of them talk about how great we are, how great the company is, how great our management is, how we're going to rule the world. And 5% is on the financial part of it. It needs to be the other way around, actually. It needs to be every single slide that you present has to have a financial element to it that you can point to because your investor, here's the last thing your investor wants to hear. I got this thing. Nobody ever thought of it before. It's going to revolutionize the world. We can make billions on it. And I got a patent and I know people are going to love it all over the world. I need your help. What an investor hears when you're talking like that is, this is really risky. I am betting all my money on something that hasn't been proven. There's no model to show that it's sustainable. There's nothing that shows that people even want it. No way I'm going to even look at the next slide. Instead, what an investor wants to hear is, I had this golden widget. And widgets have been sold for a long time. Here are three companies that we're doing exactly what I'm about to do. And you can see each one of them grew 
at a very rapid pace through the industry by doing these things. However, we happen to have this one other layer on top of what they're doing. And the layer that we have on top of that is going to destroy what they're doing because I've been looking at the reviews. There are thousands of one-star reviews of all of these companies because they want this one thing that none of those companies are giving. And that thing is the centerpiece of what my company is all about. Those one-star reviews are going to become the five-star reviews of my company because I already have the customers that want this stuff and I've created it. I'm not smart. I just put a layer on top of this to make it a lot better. Now, investors going to hear, wow, I have a proven model. I have these other companies I can look at. I can see what they did and I can make sure that my new investor is following that same path. So don't get all crazy about your amazingness. Get crazy about the fact that you look at what's going on, you understand the marketplace, and you've found some way to change that market. So Idea Pros, for example, we're getting ready to go on a funding round. And, and we really have started that round in, uh, in a way that talks about that kind of insider game that we were referencing before. And that insider game is that before now, 99% of entrepreneurs had no way to really be successful, right? There's, there's solutions out there. If you want to split from corporate to go to and be an entrepreneur, there are pinpoint solutions. You can go to an app company. You can go to a marketing company. You can get an engineering firm to build your stuff up. But it's like going to find the things you need to do your own brain surgery. You don't know the solution. You just know what the tools are, and that's all that's provided. With Idea Pros, we have an umbrella, we have a solution so that you're not only getting the things that you want, we're your partner, we're experienced, we can open the doors and we're going to make sure we're doing all the right things in the right time, right? So when you go like that, it becomes a lot more compelling. Or the fact is <clears throat> another slide that people will think about that we're going to be using in our round is that you can get almost anything you want to learn about being an entrepreneur for free. You can go to Coursera, you can go to a lot of these different programs, Udemy, Mastermind, you can get free or cheap information about how to become an entrepreneur. And yet 100,000 people have offered to pay us up to $100,000 to work with us. It's a $10 billion proof of market that we've established by ourselves. You don't have to go to McKinsey, you don't have to go anywhere else. We have shown that people want something and want to pay because what you get for free doesn't give you what you need to succeed. And what we have is that umbrella that's going to enable, empower, and give entrepreneurs an unfair advantage. So right now we've identified a problem. We've identified the fact that it's a big problem. And we've identified the fact that it's an insider game. And if you don't know how to play it, you're not going to win at it. And so that makes it really powerful because people can look. Like, oh, yeah, wow. If you look at the data, and you guys can look this up when you're listening afterwards, go on Google. How many new entrepreneurs are born every single month in the United States alone? 550,000. What's the birth rate in the U.S.? 300,000. So almost double the number of entrepreneurs are born each month than babies. And so how, right? So you know it's a big, massive problem. And now you're a company that's coming to solve that problem 
you get instant credibility because now you can point to the facts, the figures, the our history of how much people have paid and the fact that we just want to go down the food chain and offer $200 courses, $1,000 courses, and people have been willing to pay so much because they want to change their lives and we're empowering them to do so. So that those are the type of things. And oh, by the way, we're going to grow 50% every year over the next three years. And these are the points on how we're going to do it. We're going to sell X number of courses for this. We're going to sell Y number of partnerships for that. This is the marketing budget for each of these things. And we built this model from the ground up to create the numbers that we have on the top. If you don't have that part of it, then it's all pie in the sky and nobody's going to care how good you were in your last company. They want to know what you're going to do this time. It's going to make their investment have a 10x, 20x, 100x potential. That's awesome. Well, keeping in mind, everyone, that what Fred is talking about is having different decks for different audiences. If it's friends and family, you can probably be a little bit more on your mission or your airy-fairy ideas if you have them, which can be very valid. If you're with an yep. investor, making your deck more 95% geared towards financials and how they're going to get a return and also how this is duplicatable from other um, things you can compare to in, in the industry or ways that this is not going to be an anomaly that's never been done before that the investor is taking a risk. How long should a deck be? I've heard the 10-10-10 rule. Um, you know, uh, do you have any other quick rules of thumb? Then I want to go into a case study that you might have you can share with us. Yeah, and, and you know, my opinion on this has changed radically recently because I've been working with this guy uh, named Oren Claff. I know if you ask his book, you know, Pitch Anything, right? Pitch, pitch Anything. Yep. Millions of copies sold. He's a good friend of mine now. I, I was up in his empty studio watching the Super Bowl on a 25-foot screen. It was amazing. It's 110 tellers and struck together. And he oh got my, my first he got my first pitch deck. Mind you, I have 30 years of experience. I've raised $2 billion. He looked at my pitch deck and he said, this is shit. And so... <laughs> So I, I went, can hear him saying that too. I listened to his audio book and read his book. I can hear him. This is shit. I can hear him say that. Yeah. So he's basically ripped apart everything that I had. And you want to try to be able to spend a half an hour uh, with folks. And you want to get in and out if, if you just want to have a speech and not make any money. But you want to be prepared to spend a half an hour. And the first thing is really your winter is coming statement. You know, and that winter is coming you need to drag people in. And the way that he does it is, I'm gonna tell you some general assumptions and these assumptions base our whole business model on the assumptions. And if you don't buy into the assumptions, we, we don't need to go in any further. But if you do, then let's talk about our business. And you know, for our example, it was, you know, our winter was, there's, there's an enormous shift in American culture. And when we were kids and people thought about rich people, we were thinking about doctors and lawyers and movie stars and rock stars. And maybe that one guy down the street that happened to have several different pharmacy stores. Those were our rich people of those days. Today, rich people are the entrepreneurs of the world. And when we think of them, that's who we think of. And we have this shift that our mentality has shifted, but our ability has not. Do you still have that elite little group, the insider group that know how to play the game that all the money flow to, and you're an outsider, and no matter how hard you want to get there, it's not going to happen. And you, the outsider, 
represent 99% of Americans that want to become entrepreneurs. So 99% of Americans are outsiders and we're changing the game and we're turning it into an inside world. If you buy into that, let me tell you about our story, right? So you got to catch people's interest because otherwise it's blah, 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 blah. And you know, we have this, they don't care about your industry yet. You got to really get them to buy into the problem, to really understand emotionally that, wow, these people, they're right. There is a big shift. There is a major shift here that's taken place and all the money's flowing into 1%. These little bastards are addressing 99% of the market that nobody's touching. I, yeah, I want to hear more. I, I buy it. What's next? You know, so big, huge problem, how we're solving that problem, how our solutions are way better than anything else, how we're going to monetize this over time, how we built that model out, how we've tested that model out. And frankly, if you even have third party testing, these are my three year assumptions. And I've tested this, not just by me, I've gone to these two different third party groups, analysts, they've looked at it. They've stamped it. They've had me make changes. This is what we're going on. There isn't a best case, middle case, worst case. This is what we believe we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And oh, by the way, this is our management team that kicks ass, that's done it before, that four of the five people on our team have created billion-dollar companies, and we want to do it again. And so that's how you build a thing. And at the end, don't lose sight of the most important part of this, the ask. And don't be afraid to walk away. You don't want to be needy. The, the worst thing you can do is be needy. And we're always needy because we want that money. We don't even care if that guy's a good fit or not. We want the money. So cross-examine them at the end. Listen, I need $50,000. I'm going to get $50,000 from 20 people. But I want to, and that's all I'm going to do. I don't want more than that. I don't want less than that. I want 50000 from 20 people, but I want the right people. What makes you think that you're the right type of investor now that you've heard everything that I'm doing? What makes you think that you're the right type of, of investor for this? Well, you know, I don't know. I uh, I uh, have a lot of things on my plate. I'm thinking about it. It sounds like a pretty good idea. Okay, well, thank you. Look, thank you very much for your time. I'm really busy. We have a lot of appointments. There's a ton of interest in this. If you're in, you can be in and I'll send you documents. If you're not, that's perfectly fine. I, I thank you for your time. Don't let people keep you lingering because they're going to keep asking for more and more. And you're going to have a whole bunch of people that say, you know what? I want you to go from this step to this step, then come back and see me. And then you do that. You come back and that, you know what? Prove this other thing out for me. Lose those people. You're wasting your time. And more often than not, when you appear to come from a power of strength and you control the game, they're going to cut a check. Agreed. Well, the, that the book that he was referencing that we're going to put in the show notes because I love that book and the audio book. We're in cloth. Pitch anything. He has all kinds of stories from many board tables and coffee tables he's been at pitching over the years. What he learned, mindset, the dinosaur brain, uh, all of the stuff that people revert to. So highly recommended. Thanks for reminding us of that that book. I recommend it to a lot of people. Um, and uh, we only have about five minutes left in the show. So could you give? I want to take uh, just like a minute or two. And talk about if you have a, a, a quick example of a case study of a, a startup that did things right and had fairly quick trajectory. And then I want to leave a few minutes to talk about uh, purpose driven again and spirituality and how that is defined for you and, and what you're now 
working on as your own uh, legendary legacy. Okay. So, so let me, so we've had about 400 partners and in the last six months, we've launched about a hundred different companies. Um, and I have a whole bunch of people that are happy with me, but I pro probably have about 30 people that hate my guts because their project is taking too long. They thought that they would go live and they'd be a multimillionaire overnight for many different reasons. And part of the flaw in my business model in the beginning was I was creating marshmallows instead of entrepreneurs because I was doing all the heavy lifting. I was creating everything. And so every delay that we've all experienced as entrepreneurs now is my fault instead of the entrepreneurs saying, God, all right, that screwed up. How are we going to do this differently? It's like, hey, Fred, you know, engineering was going to be too, done two weeks ago. So um, the ones that make it are the ones that this fellow, 33 years old, his name is Steve. He has an app called Move that we just launched. And when you're addressing a specific problem that is a pain point for you, you have a better chance of making it. But when you do that and have that never die attitude, you have an even better chance of making it. So Steve came to me with this app. He's 33, he has his own business on the East Coast. He actually rents out school buses, the school district always needs parts and he works with different part companies and they're always getting the wrong parts. And so he came to me and said, why can't we have an app like a Tinder type app for parts where we can just go take the picture of the part, we identify what the part is, send to a service department or parts department. This is what I need. This is the picture of it. This is the serial or the model number. And we can not only cut down the human resources needed in the parts department, we can also cut down on all these mistakes that are made. There's something like 40% of all orders are sent back. And so we built this thing out, training him how to be an entrepreneur, training him how to do a pitch deck. Two weeks ago, they had the National Association of Automobile uh, Deal Dealers Show, Automobile Dealer Show uh, in te Texas. And uh, we trained him for the pitch deck, helped him write the pitch deck because they had a pitch deck competition. He won and he got to present to everybody. He left that four day show with uh, Ford Direct as a customer with 3,500 dealerships, Toyota nationwide, 141 independent dealers, and a lot of inquiries from people all over the country and some in Australia and the UK that want to use this app. And he did it because of his perseverance, because he treated it like his own business. And he never presented to anybody before, but he presented to me 30 times. And we got it to the point where it was really, really effective. Solution is really, really powerful. And boom, he's off to the races literally overnight. That's awesome. Well, we'll make sure we put in the show notes move for people to keep an eye on move. That's awesome. Congrats on that and helping him and congrats on his success. That's wonderful. As we're coming into the tail end of the show here, I'm curious, part of the thing on the Alchemy of Business show uh, that I like to weave in is just like we have to have strong PLs, we have to have strong operations, marketing campaigns, unique selling propositions, all of those things. We also, for trying to not have that void in ourselves of feeling hollow after we've gotten all the success, what is it you um, do in your own life that you have come to define as spirituality? Uh, and higher purpose or higher meaning. How do you define it and how do you incorporate that into your life and business? 
You know, and that's an ongoing struggle. Uh, I, I don't want to tell people that this is easy. Uh, it's hard. And the way I do do it to make it easier is I do certain things. Number one, I'm constantly trying to do the right thing, even when uh, it may have a negative financial impact. An example is uh, a year and a half ago, we had an app developer that was building 80 apps for us. And when it came time to deliver those apps, we paid him over a million dollars. Nothing worked. None of them worked. And I had to decide what to do for these 80, 80 partners. I went and got a $2 million extra mortgage on my own home. Uh, stopped taking new partners last year for a period of time and refocused on doing every one of those apps over from the beginning again. You would think that everybody would be carrying me on their shoulders, but there's a subset of those people that really got upset because their app was promised to be out and didn't go out. And they don't look at what Herculean efforts you've undergone to try to make it work. But you have to wake up in the morning and you have to say, I'm doing the right thing even when it's a hard thing. I'm doing the right thing even when people don't appreciate it because that's part of who I am. That's the core essence of who I am. And if I, if I can stay true to that, then I can wake up in the morning knowing as hard as the day is going to be, I'm going to be doing the right stuff and the right thing. So I can go to bed nervous as I am, stressed out that some things aren't working. I can go to bed, relax, and get a good night's sleep because I, kn- I know everything that I'm doing as a human being is all I can do as a human being. That That's the very first thing I do. And the second thing I do is I get up early and I spend the first two hours working on the most important thing I can work on, which is me. Uh, Because if you're not in the right frame of mind to go in there and face those fires every day, you're never going to survive throughout the day. So when I get up, I get up by five. I have a trainer who comes here five days a week. It's 72 years old. I can beat up a lot of 20-year-olds in the gym. And we work hard for an hour to 90 minutes every morning. After that, I stretch, I meditate. I do positive affirmations, and I, I do things that I'm grateful for. could be even breathing. Uh, I'm great, grateful for something. And then at the end of that, I'll read. I'll read a paragraph, a page, a chapter, half a book. And, and so I've spent that first two hours of the day focusing on me and focusing on what the most important things in life are. Then I get to the work of my work. So those are the types of things that I do to balance my life and to have daily spirituality into my life. I love that. Well, we're going to have to wrap on that note, but what a great note of all the great wisdom Fred has given you today on having your pitch deck right, making sure that your value proposition has been tested in the market by doing your research and checking who your competitors are, making sure you're speaking in the right way to people to know what's in it for them when you're trying to help them help you get what you need, making sure you have the right team around you. When what Fred is talking about is spending time on the most important thing of all those things, which is yourself. And I'm so glad that he shared that having some kind of a daily ritual is something I highly believe in as well. And I've seen a lot of successful people have that time because no one else is going to make you a priority except you. And in that priority of your own self, making that connection with whatever you call higher power through your own, your own sources that you're listening in, whatever that might be through prayer or meditation. But having that with a a workout, meditation, affirmations, it is a way to reconnect every day to really what's important of of building your own internal business of yourself. So thank you, Fred, for reminding us of that. 
and for bringing that component of the alchemy of business into the theme. Because to me, at the end of the day, as I also get older and as I'm looking at my legacy, I realize being of service and being a service-driven leader and being of purpose and serving my higher power through what I do is exactly what I'm on the planet to do. And then in doing that, as you said earlier in the show, there's no need to look for retirement when you're doing what you love and you're serving your soul in a way that gets up and makes it sing. So I applaud you on doing that work for yourself and for many others. Uh, and you can reach uh, here with Fred uh, on his Instagram at official Fred Carey, K-A-R-Y. We're going to have that in the show notes. Uh, we'll have his website in there as well and his social media uh, pieces. Uh, Fred, do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up? C-A-R-Y is one of my closing thoughts. Uh, oh, sorry. The other closing thought is this, especially for you younger entrepreneurs, you can't have it all in a year, you know, and, and we want to get 10 years of advancement in, in one year. It doesn't work that way. Think about what your longer term goals are and then put your head down and make sure you're taking one step a day towards those goals. And celebrate those micro victories because if you're looking 10 years out and you're a year in and you're nowhere near that 10-year goal, you're going to be pissed off. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to be upset. Make your long-term goal, but do your short-term tasks that you need one step at a time and celebrate those victories. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Mr. Fred Carey. And with Idea Pros, a great show, a lot of meaty stuff and a lot of good heartfelt, higher purpose things, which is a great mix for me here on the Alchemy of Business show. Thank you everyone for listening in or viewing in however you got here. We appreciate it. If you like what you hear, please go check us out on iTunes and, and hit a like or leave us a comment. We'd uh, appreciate that. And I want to thank you, Mr. Fred, again, for being on a great show as I knew it would be. Thanks for all you're doing for everyone. Thanks. Take care, guys. Good luck. Be successful. And that concludes this episode of The Alchemy of Business with your host, Steve Rogers. If you found value in today's broadcast, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving a review. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Thursday for another episode. Be blessed, and see you soon.